You're about to enter the most electrifying NFL talk show you have ever experienced. From up-to-the-minute news and notes to... Uh, who am I kidding? It's a wrap. Let's try this again. It's the After Further Review Podcast with Connor Forrest. Want to get involved? Send us an email to mailbag at connorforrest.com. For your questions to be read on air. Good afternoon and good evening, everybody. It's rainy evening, Shawnee. It is raining buckets outside. Of course, of course we go from 20 degree weather to the first day we finally get livable temperature conditions. It's just the sky opens up and it's raining. Non-stop. That is Shawnee Olette on the other line. Shawnee, how the hell are you, buddy? I'm doing well, my commander. Ah. Oh. You see what I did there? <laughs> I see what you did there. I see yeah, what you yeah. did there. Welcome back, everybody. That is Sean Olette, executive producer. After further review returns. I haven't done a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, John Walton style in quite some time. But I do wish you all, wherever you are, a good morning, a good afternoon, and a very good evening. Thanks again for tuning in. Um, There's not enough to talk about. I mean, there's just not. There's... No new team names, no new owners under investigation again, no lawsuits, no retirements, just nothing to get to. Oh, by the way, the Super Bowl is a week from Sunday, so just plenty to not talk about as we dive into definitely, Sean, it's funny because this is this is a funny time in the calendar, right? And I, I always comment on the calendar, I, I find myself doing this, but this is a funny time in the calendar because... The NFL is kind of split, I'd say, in, in, I mean, really, by Super Bowl Sunday, it's it's kind of split 80-20, right? Where 20% of the attention is on the remaining two teams. It's a Super Bowl matchup. It's the last game of the season. It's the Pro Bowl. It's all kind of the festivities that lead up to the big game. And then everything else is kind of still going on, right? So you're kind of trying to balance a little bit of everything because each team is kind of in their different modes. If you're Washington... You've been thinking about the offseason since November. If you're Tampa Bay, you're in the offseason too, but you're you're kind of just gathering yourself a little bit. Now, obviously, if you're the Chiefs, you're still just kind of on the couch staring at yourself going, what, what just happened? So every <laughs> team is kind of in a different mindset. They're at a different pace, and news is coming out in different areas where hires are already happening, where – Hires have already happened, and now they're getting draft boards together, and the Senior Bowl's going on in Mobile, Alabama. So just so much going on. I mean, way too much that we could even fit into a podcast. I mean, if this was a daily show, we could, we really, honestly, Sean, if we did two hours a day every single day, I still don't know if that would be enough time to cover everything that's going on. But we're going to give you, I think, everything you need to know. I really think we're going to give you everything you need to know. We're going to kind of go through it. Um, we got plenty of things to get to. 
uh, contrary to what I uh, I said a minute ago. Um, but so much to get into. Sean, first of all, how are you doing? How's life in Arlington? We are doing the show remote again. I know we always want to get in studio, but just with work, with life, just scheduling, it's just impossible, whether you're in North Carolina or not. How the hell are you? I'm doing well, man. Doing uh, doing pretty well. Got my Buffalo Wild Wings a little while ago. Uh, that buy one get one. So yeah. I did that in your honor. We will get back. Don't worry. We, we will do. Be back we need to get Wild back. Wings. Seriously, I know. man. I, know. I just I'm thinking Life of those work. Asian zing, those wings, and just just <laughs> oh. chef's kiss, baby. No, but it's been good, and I understand uh, somebody's wife here has now. Uh, given what like her third eviction notice to their baby oh yeah dude anna is ready to i mean she is she is just staring at her her stomach just just like literally leave me now you know it's funny and this is the and anybody out there listening who's had a baby or you have a child or you know somebody or a friend or a family member who who have gone through the entire process of a pregnancy this is the point of oh my god and this, right? The first trimester is tough. You go through the nauseousness. Now, again, this is me speaking secondhand. You know, obviously, I haven't experienced this, but you, you, you go through the nauseousness, right? You go through the I can't really sleep. I'm restless. I'm, I'm you know, you, you're, you're, you're just going through it. By the second trimester, for the most part, you're kind of smooth sailing. And this is for the most part. Now, everyone feels it differently, but Anna, for the most part, was smooth sailing. And the, by the time we've gotten this third trimester, you know, baby's now just a couple weeks away. It's just sheer, I can't move, sleeping's uncomfortable, <laughs> I just, she's just sitting there, just, she's just ready to, you know, it's really funny, I'm, I I can already see the mother and her coming out, and, and the father and me coming out, I'm already mad at him, right, so he's going to come out and work, and, you know, before the doctors take him and put him in the NICU, I'll just be like, hey, can I just have a minute with him, I need to lecture him about what he's put me through, so. Stern talking to. A little stern talking to, so. <laughs> But we're very excited, Sean. A couple of weeks away, I just uh, I can't even tell you how excited I am. It's just it's going to be. Um, I mean, it it is it has been my most. I mean, honestly, it's it's been my my goal in my life is to be a dad, and we're um, we're a couple of weeks away from from that coming true. So very very excited. We will keep you up to date on all the good stuff. Um, but all is well here in the forest house as uh, as we trek through the treacherous months of winter, but. Plenty of news to get to, Shawnee. So, you have a list of stories, right? I believe I you have a list of, list of stories you want to pitch, and and we'll kind of knock them out one by one before we uh, recap our uh, championship weekend that just occurred. Yes. Yep. So we're going to go ahead and start um, with on a little more serious of a note, and that is the Brian Flores situation. Um, I'm going to try to make this as simple as I can because I know it's kind of a multi-level lawsuit that's going yep. on here. Uh, You have the Giants and you have the Broncos, who Brian Flores is alleging that they did not interview him seriously per the Rooney rule, which states that NFL teams have to at least interview a certain number of minority candidates for job posting. And there's literally a list. I mean, you look at head coach, if it's you're hiring from the outside, it's like one, you need one minority. If you're doing it from the inside, you need to interview two minorities. GMs are a certain level, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. You have to uh, interview a certain number of minorities. So Brian Flores says that his Giants interview was just to check off a box because the Giants already knew who their head coach was going to be. They were going to bring uh, Dable down from the Bills, uh, which they have, and named him the head coach. There was a Bill Belichick text uh, that Brian Flores shared where Belichick congratulated him. 
uh, thinking that he got the job, meaning Brian Flores, when in reality it was Brian Dable who got the job. Belichick messed up. People are making a big deal out of that. I don't think it's a big deal. That's the first one. The Oh, one more thing about the Giants. Um, the reason Flores is accusing the Giants of uh, essentially making it a joke of an interview is because they interviewed him and then less than 24 hours later, they offered Dable the job. So again, he's saying that because of this Rooney rule, because of this diversity rule, the NFL just brought in a minority last interview just to check a box. He says the same thing happened in Denver where John Elway showed up an hour late to the interview, hung over from a night of drinking the night before. Uh, John Elway and the Denver Broncos organization has denied that. Again, he says because of the Rooney rule, meaning Brian Flores says because of this rule, that the Broncos, he was a joke candidate to them. He was just there to check a box and to fill out the, we interviewed a diverse candidate uh, uh, slate on the on the whatever they have to fill out paperwork wise. So that's the first aspect of the lawsuit. Second aspect of the lawsuit comes when he was in Miami and he claims that during the 2019 season, the Miami dolphins uh, owners came to him and said, Hey, you lose a game. We give you a hundred thousand dollars. Every game you lose hundred thousand dollars. You do that. We get the number one pick. We love you forever. He obviously being a football coach and in time up in new England, that that's not what they do up there. That's not how he was raised. He didn't want to do that. They ended up getting the number five pick. They get to a tag of Iola over Joe Burrow, who ended up being the number one pick that year. Um, and it probably soured the relationship between general manager. So the NFL is investigating that. Uh, there's also a story out there that with the Dolphins, Flores alleged that the ownership uh, took him on a yacht and were basically trying to convince him to collude with what he named as a very high profile quarterback who was in free agency to come down to Miami, which is against uh, some rules that the NFL has about uh, colluding with players and trying to get them to join your team. Uh, it is now known most likely that player was Tom Brady, given Flores' connection to New England, obviously with Tom Brady up there as well at the time, as well as the fact that Brady was a free agent. Uh, so, Connor, let's start. I hope I'm not missing anything because it's, uh, I think, a 56-page lawsuit. Yeah. Let's start with the John Elway and the Giants uh, situations. And I'll just personally, Connor, and I don't want to offend anybody, the Rooney Rule does nothing to diversity. Yep. It does it is literally for teams to check a box. It does nothing to help minorities get hired. Absolutely corporations have this. Uh the NFL has this and it does nothing. It is so you can you can show the NFL or you can show the government if you're a corporation. Look, we hired or not hired. We interviewed minorities. We're good people. Look at this. That it it Create situations like this that Brian Flores is alleging. It creates joke interviews, and it does nothing to help diversity in the NFL right. uh, front offices. Oh, Let I me get agree. your take on that, and then we'll go to Miami. Yeah, and I, I do agree with you, and I think the Rooney rule in a lot of ways was made with great intentions. I really do, and I think a lot of these rules are made with the right intention, obviously. I agree. I've never liked the Rooney rule. I think I think it's, it's, a, it's a rule based on good intent, and I, I don't think it's really – brought together great results because I do think it does encourage these teams where, you know, what what if Sean in the offseason, Sean Payton is a free agent coach? Like, it doesn't matter what race Sean Payton is. You want him to coach for your team because Sean Payton's a great coach. If Mike Tomlin became available, it doesn't matter if, if Mike Tomlin is. But Mike Tomlin's my favorite coach in, in football. He's been one of the most respected coaches in recent NFL history. Like, really and truly, one of the greatest coaches. I think he'll go down as one of the greatest coaches of all time. Um, 
it doesn't matter. Like, it it doesn't matter with, with race. It's, it's about winning at the end of the day when it comes to these, these GMs. So if Sean Payton becomes available, and I want Sean Payton, and Sean Payton wants me, the Rooney rule is going to force me now because I want Sean Payton to, to do an interview with somebody who's not going to get the job to tick the box. And that's not because I'm racist. That's because I want Sean Payton. But the problem is, is when you make something a rule like that, it does become box checking. Now, I can't speak to these specific individual issues. I wasn't there. Maybe there was really shady stuff with the Giants. Maybe there was really shady stuff with the Broncos. I have no idea. I wasn't there. I can only let this process play out and then give you the facts. We have this thing in our society where we jump to the facts. We jump to our sides before anything comes out. I'm not going to do that. I'll never do that. But, and I, I don't know what the what the ramification, the fix to the Rooney rule is. I don't. But I can just say in this case, it's it's obviously, I think it's going to get kind of ugly. I, I do. Um, but for better or worse, Brian Flores is holding his ground. And I think, um, I, I think he should be commended for it. I think for a guy who obviously has a lot of opportunities this offseason, I think he's putting a lot on the line. And I think he should be commended for it. But I think he's a good coach. I think he'll actually get another opportunity to coach because he's good at his job. You know, I think the people want to make the Colin Kaepernick, oh, he got blacklisted. Like, Colin Kaepernick wasn't good at the end of his career. I think Brian Flores is a good coach. And I think he's going to get another opportunity. And I think he should. Uh, but we'll just wait to see how this plays out. And we'll obviously touch up on this as the topic goes around. But these are always uncomfortable. These are always uncomfortable conversations because you just don't know. And they're uncomfortable for me personally, Sean. Not because the topic is not something we should discuss. Of course it is. That is the reason we're here in, in where we are in our societies because these conversations are uncomfortable and we've pushed ourselves to address them. And it's a good thing. But what I don't like in our society now is what we do is we, we immediately jump to attributing awful things to people we just don't know. We don't know the situation. We don't know the facts. I think this lawsuit should hopefully, um, yeah, obviously it'll follow with an investigation it'll follow with some facts and and when that comes out we'll be able to analyze them but for now a really kind of interesting situation and uh something we're, we're obviously going to monitor but for the nfl definitely a big headache i mean you can't imagine this is anything other than a huge headache for them where you know you're you're dealing with washington situation now the senate committee opening up on dan snyder's investigation into the team just a whole bunch of different things and distractions that for them are um they're they're trying to kind of get a hold of but uh yeah, we'll definitely keep tracks on it, Shawnee. Was there anything else, any other aspect of this you wanted to, to talk about? Not that I can recall. I try to study up on as much as it, uh, yeah. or much as of it, excuse me, I can't talk, as I could. Um, but yeah, man, it, it'll all come out. We'll yeah. see what happens. And, and again, um, for, the, for the record, I, I think, I'm not even saying that Brian Flores is wrong. He could be completely right. Uh, the Dolphins have mm-hmm. vehemently denied it. The Giants... The Broncos have all vehemently denied it, so it becomes a he said, she said. You know, I, you know, yep. I, I'm not gonna get into that, and I like, I'm sorry. It's so trendy to do that now. It's so easy to say, he's right, he's right, or oh, absolutely, Brian Flores is right, or oh, the NFL is completely innocent in this. Like, so the truth is always somewhere in between, right, Sean? That old saying, like the, you know, there's um, three sides to a story, right? Your side, my side, and then the truth. It's just there's, it's always somewhere yep. in between. Uh, but I'm not going to get into this he said, she said, and, and start, to, because that's for clicks. I don't do that. That's not who I am. Like, it's very yeah. easy for me and Sean to come out here and say all sorts of crazy stuff and, 
get into pointing fingers and calling people awful things because that's what people do nowadays and that's how they get attention and i'm i'm not one of those people that's not this podcast it's not who we are the one thing i want to say about the dolphins thing that i think is is very very interesting about the dolphins practices is a hundred thousand dollars again incentivizing yep. losing now look we're not dumb we know how this works right we all know how this works we're all very very aware that when teams are at the bottom of the league, they're they're thinking draft. Like there's just there at no point this season. I, I, I remember the tank for Tua was being chanted in FedEx Field when Washington was playing uh, New York, and then it became because Tua was out of their reach. Became you know tank for Chase Young. So the New York Giants Washington Redskins game at the time was called the Chase Young Bowl. That's literally what they called it. I mean, people were bringing banners to this team. It was the Chase Young Bowl. The loser of that game got the second overall pick, essentially, and was guaranteed to get Chase Young. And it was Washington, right? <laughs> it was. We, we know how this works. We're not dumb. I mean, by the end of the by the end of the year, if I know Washington's out of it, I want them to lose. But the actual like transactional like incentivizing for losing on an ownership level that is uh, that is something. I mean, I I figured mm-hmm. existed verbally. I mean, there's. Let's all stop acting like we, we don't think this happens on the GM level and the ownership level. A coaches meetings who meet every week and say, "Hey, listen, if we need to give our bench and practice squad guys reps, let's do that." Wink, wink. Like we we know that happens, right? Transactional is different, and this could be really, really something. So there's a lot of stuff that could come out of this lawsuit. And and this Connor, this could actually have a paper trail. Like you really said, could. racism and he he said she said are very very hard to prove. Very tough, yeah. But stuff with a money trail. Oh yeah, that's a lot easier to trail. And I, I know Flores's attorneys are already saying that they have cooperating evidence. Yeah. Uh, against the Dolphins with those a hundred thousand dollar payments. All right, so that's that. We'll keep an eye on that. Let's go ahead and stay in Florida. We will talk Tom Brady's retirement. Mm. Tom Brady, age forty four, calling it quits, saying it's a career, seven Super Bowls, and a lot of records. I won't even go into them. Uh, Connor, let me get your reaction. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. I, like I called you, I was in Coles, and I got the initial report. It was kind of odd because obviously last week they gave the big report and it was over and he was retiring. And then all of a sudden, you know, you had sent me something a little later on in the evening saying, hey, this is not a, a done deal. Like this is not something that, you know, he's come to a decision on. And, and then finally he does eventually come to that decision. So kind of a, a weird anticlimactic, like well, what's going on here, confusion. But nonetheless, I mean the the league is is the league is lesser without Tom Brady. It's just the reality of it, right? I mean this this guy is the pinnacle of of um, I mean he's just yeah. I, what what can you say about him? I, I could go through the list of accomplishments and all that. I think you're going to get that everywhere else. You're going to get his stats. You're going to get his Super Bowls. You're going to get the ten Super Bowl appearances and the rings and all the yards and all the. But I think what makes Tom Brady so unique in so many ways, Sean, is. And I really do think when you look back at his final pass as a New England Patriot, that pick six, remember in the playoffs against the Titans? They go up to, to New England, and, and it's a pick six, and you just felt like, oh, my gosh, that's it. That's it for Brady. Like, he's not coming back. There have been reports all year of, hey, there's kind of some fracture here. There's there's a disinterest. He felt like, of course. Like, what an awful way for him to end his career, but – probably the greatest to ever do it and I think regardless of how this ends there was kind of a weird decline I I think and it may have been that season Sean and you can correct me I mean you're a Patriots fan you watched all these games but 
there was this kind of weird like skid they were going through towards the end of the year and you felt like up oh, here's the decline here it is and the constant oh is he going to retire is this a year is this it they decide to move in separate directions and, and Tom Brady's now a free agent you just felt like that was kind of it you never thought that if there was a second chapter to Tom Brady it would be half as what it was I mean Tom Brady this last year threw now I know there was an extra game but he, he threw more yards than he ever threw in his entire career I mean, I could actually argue that Tom Brady, after the age of 30, you know, 37, 38, was, was better than he was when he was younger. I mean, and you, you don't see that, mm-hmm. man. Like, go through the list of dominant NFL athletes that end their career somewhere else. It's Jerry Rice. So, I, mean, just go, I mean, just think about the ones off the top of your head. Like, I close my eyes and I think, like, oh, you know, Jared Allen and obviously Jerry Rice and Sean Alexander, 2005 MVP, and then ends in Washington – just kind of – and it kind of just peters out, right? They get their last run. They get their last little contract, and, you know, they'll get they'll get a nice little pay bump because the team wants to bring in a cool veteran, and it's a lot of photo ops, and it's, hey, we got this cool legendary veteran in our locker room for a year, and, and that's kind of it. That's not what Tom Brady was. Like, his first year in Tampa wins a Super Bowl. And really, I mean, he was, again, ever so close to being on the way to doing so again this year. I think that's the biggest thing with Tom Brady. He just, as an individual athlete, but as a team, I think I think he he'll he'll probably go down. I I really do think as as one of the most decorated and and successful team sport players of all time. I, I really genuinely believe that. Um, I don't think that's a hot take either. I think five years in 2027, he's he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I think that's my biggest takeaway with Tom Brady. And, you're, you've seen all the stats, you've seen all the talk, you've seen all the Super Bowls and how great he is. And I just, I don't want to be that other podcast that goes, who is better in his sport? Is it Michael Jordan? Is it Tom? <laughs> I just don't, I'm not going to do it. I just, I promise I'm not going to do it because I just, I there's way too many podcasts out there that do that. But I think that's my biggest takeaway with Tom Brady is just how dedicated he was to the sport. And I, I think that there, he highlights an aspect of sports that we forget. Like, being an NFL athlete, being an NBA player, being an MLB player, like these, this is not a six month job. Like this is not a nine to five. These guys are 24 seven, 365 days a year, dedicating themselves to their craft. And even in the off season, we talk about, Oh, they're golfing. Oh, they're at the beach. Oh, they're vacationing with their families. They're still on diet plans. Like these guys still have personal trainers going with them. They're still working out. I mean, OTAs and off season training, because the thing with football that people seem to constantly forget. There's ve- there's a very small, minute pocket of players that Tom Brady belongs in physically. You've got the veterans out there. Think about the tiers of players. You have the veteran NFL players that have been there for 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, and they're working to maintain their body. They're working on, hey, these guys coming out of college are super fast. They're getting stronger. They're getting better. I have to keep myself up here because I'm fighting time. And you get the middle tier guys, right? You got the middle tier guys in their mid twenties, the guys maybe three, four, five years NFL experience, and again they're fighting the young guys. They're they're battling for contracts. They're realizing, hey, I'm one terrible injury away from from losing another ten years off my career. And these guys are working nonstop, endlessly on their bodies. They're endlessly to perfect their craft. And then you go to the rookies. And the young dudes, the dudes who are at the bottom of the roster who are fighting for their literal jobs, like their paychecks. They're fighting for another opportunity, another training camp, another practice squad. 
and they're kind of just just chugging along trying to make it happen. It just takes so much work. It takes so much work, and Tom Brady was was that guy who defied, hey, if you literally dedicate yourself to doing it, success can be had. But, I mean, he embodied a dedication that I'm not sure if I've ever quite seen before. I just I don't think I have. I mean, specifically in football, but if you go through other sports, I'm sure you can find other other guys that went long into their careers that just dedicate themselves. But I mean, Tom Brady's life is a lifestyle in and of itself of just dedication to the sports. So he's going to be missed, man. I mean, look, he was hated for so long, and he seemed to have taken on a new personality in Tampa. And um, but whether you like him, whether you hate him, I I think it's unanimous unparalleled respect for Tom Brady and uh I'm just gonna miss him man I'm gonna miss having him in in the league and uh it's just it's it's a it's a bummer but uh of course um it's well deserved let's just put it that way the guys guys going on 45 it's well deserved it's (laughs) he he, he deserves it if anyone else does it's him (laughs) yep and uh, I'll just make it quick I I was fortunate enough to see Tom Brady play in person four times uh won three of those games uh lost kind of a, a well-known game uh, that I was at that one down in Miami, unfortunately. I think, hey, you were at a well-known game too, weren't you, that same week? Yeah, we yeah, were, you were literally at like getting punched in the face by an awful Yeah, uh, poor commanders, or whatever the hell they were back then. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, for like you said, for a sport where people last until they're 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, maybe at most, like 33, you're kind of old, you're not really great as you were when you're 23. I mean, for, for a sport where people kind of phase out around their early to mid thirties for somebody to make it to 44, uh, is, is just incredible. So great career, Tom Brady enjoyed watching you. Uh, I hope that, uh, you enjoy retirement. I think he'll probably keep a low personality. I don't see him in any broadcast booth like Tony Romo, but we will see maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Um, you never know. Um, but I will say Alex Guerrero, who is his body coach, uh, came up with like the whole pliability thing. I got a feeling he's got a pretty full mailbox, uh, voice mailbox right now. No doubt. Uh, I think there's probably a lot of players who want him, uh, him to uh, be their body coach and to, <laughs> to help them just looking at Tom Brady and knowing that he was a very large part, uh, contributed to why Brady was able to last until he was almost 45. So great career, Tom Brady. Enjoyed it. Enjoy retirement. Uh, and I will always remember you as a Patriot and also as a Buck, uh, even though I will remember the Patriots more. Um, that was a very so obvious that is that. Thank you for sharing, Shawnee. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm not talking about like the lengthwise. I'm talking about the – like, I mean, the and do you have any comments on the Patriots fans who were, who were losing their minds about uh, him not thanking them in the farewell? Do you have any comments on that? I have a feeling I was one of them. No, I saw a report on CBS Sports, and I haven't seen it in a couple of days, that it was reported he was going to sign with the Patriots for a day contract and retire yeah. as a Patriot. I don't know if that's still a thing. Um, I guess we will see. Uh, but, I, I mean, he, he thanked the ownership. Belichick wrote him something, I think, yesterday evening. Um and he, he shared it, so I do think uh, though that um, obviously thankful for his time. Up there. I think that when he left Tampa or when he left New England, rather to go down to Tampa, you know, he did the the whole front page advertisement, thank you New England, the whole big thing, the whole big spiel. 
I think this goodbye was not a goodbye to everybody. I think this was a goodbye for Tampa. I think that door was was not mm-hmm. closed, like cemented shut, right? But I think that door was closed in New England when he left. I think he took some time to reflect on that. He did a lot of all that good stuff. Came down to Tampa. I think his retirement now was, I think this farewell is for Tampa, where he wins another Super Bowl. I think he obviously loved the area, and the area loved him. I mean, I've been down to Tampa a bunch since he went down there, and just the area just are obsessed with him. So I do think that he'll come back. I think he'll retire, obviously, as a Patriot. But uh, I think okay. giving that shine, nice. giving that spotlight to the Buccaneers for for that, you know, little block of time, I, I think that's that's more than that. You know, respectable and also expected. Like I, I, I didn't think he was going to thank the Patriots there and then in his little statement. I just didn't think that was going to happen. But, yeah, uh, but he'll, uh, he'll he'll have a time for that. I think so I think he will. Um, one other thing, because you know, I'm, I've been very happy this week uh, with the Chiefs not being in the playoffs <laughs> anymore and Mahomes not being able to get a ring. I I knew <laughs> if Mahomes uh... if Mahomes got a ring. If Mahomes got a ring, you'd have all the idiots on ESPN and Fox Sports saying, oh, well, you know, he's, he's getting awfully close to Tom Brady. I think if anybody's going to catch Tom Brady's records with Super Bowls and passing yard and all this, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes, which could be true. Yeah. However, I saw I, I saw an article today that listed what Mahomes would have to do, assuming he played for another 15 years, which I believe would take him to age 40. If he played another 15, is he 25? I think he is. Yeah. I believe so. Okay, so if he played if he played for another 15 years, Mahomes I think would have to have it was 4369 yards per season, which over 17 games is 258 yards per game, which is doable. Very doable. However, can you do Mahomes. that can you do that for 15 years though? It also he would have to average I think 32 touchdowns per game and win a Super Bowl every other year. Mm. So it, it just shows you, like, you know, for us, it's like, okay, it's probably doable for Mahomes, but also we're talking about a 15-year time span. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy to think that that's how good you have to be, and you have to be that good for that long to even get close to where Brady was. Well, you watched what um, Brady did you with know? different, what Brady did that was so unique was he did it with different iterations of the Patriots. Right now, and I, I really do think that if, if Mahomes had as high octane of a team with the Chiefs, that he does right now for the next 15 years, I think it is doable. But the question is, what are the Chiefs going to become? Because obviously Tyree Kill is yeah. going to slow down. Eventually Travis Kelsey is going to slow down. You're, you're, you know, Rob Gronkowski was not with Tom Brady in 2003, in 2000. You know, when, yeah. that just wasn't the case. Like he did it with different variations of a really well-run franchise. I think the Chiefs are a great franchise. But the question really should be not, hey, what. And, again, this goes back to the Patriots being so well-run and their management and their coaching. I mean, they've been so well-run for so many years, and, and that helped Tom Brady so much because he he just found a way to do it with good teams. What did the Chiefs become, right? That's the big question for me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I, I just found that interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So we will, uh, we will obviously – Probably have more to talk about Tom Brady uh, every now and then. I'm sure he'll be in the news. Uh, But let's get into some other news, Connor. Your Washington Redskins, then Washington football team, are now the Washington Commanders. You like it? I do, Sean. I do. You know, I think there's a couple things about this that I have to splay up a little bit, to be honest with you. Because if I'm cutting up this cake, this big cake that I was served, 
I think I got to divide it into a couple things that I'm happy about and really upset about because there was a couple things yesterday I was happy with and super, super upset <laughs> with. The first thing is, and the, the first and, and foremost is the, let's just talk about kind of the, the presentation, the rollout process. Now, this rollout process is probably the least impactful thing that people will end up remembering, right? It's all about the commanders. It's all about what's the new name. No one's going to remember the rollout in three or four months. But I thought the rollout was awful yesterday. I thought the process in which they rolled it out was terrible. I thought the way that they let the name leak on on their own media production and the logo leak on their own media production two months ago is unbelievable. Like, that's unbelievable that that's, that, mm-hmm. that's even capable of happening. And, I mean, super upsetting, by the way, because you just, you just let <laughs> – the the air completely out of the balloon on yourself you know it's like you're preparing for the macy's thanksgiving day parade and the night before you just decide to put a nice little hole in snoopy and then you're just you roll out the next morning and and you're just dragging the corpse of snoopy down 34th street (laughs) it just doesn't work right it's just no one's excited about that but everyone knew what it was and that was kind of the bummer i was always hoping that it was a bit of a diversion right and i think i said that as much on the show is Mm -hmm. I think this could be a diversion because it was so obvious that these jerseys, these shirts, this logo, all this stuff is coming out and you're going, there's no way that this stuff is all so easily circulated and, and, and this isn't a diversion. And then the night before, obviously NBC fours chopper circling around (laughs) the the stadium and they're, they're zooming in on a big commander's banner in the team store. Like, dude, put (laughs) it, Put a sheet over that. What, what are we doing? Like, what are you doing? Right. Well, like, what is happening right now? I thought the rollout was really embarrassing. Um, it was frustrating because it was not exciting. It should have been exciting, but it, it was not exciting at all. But with that out of the way, I love that we're not the stupid Washington football team anymore. I love that we're able to now just kind of forget that aspect and look back on the Redskins and, and what the Redskins are now as commanders. Um, said this 10 times on the show we've talked about the name change and and i'm kind of over debating that i'm kind of over debating that um but i i do think that this is a new chapter i I think a lot of people are you know were upset when they changed the name beginning um and i know a lot of people weren't happy with commanders when it was announced but i'll say this sean none of it matters man None of it matters until this team begins to be successful on the field. It's just none of it matters. Mm-hmm. Like, we can talk all we want. This team's been inept for 25 years. It's it's run in an inept way. Like, the ownership has been terrible. General managing has been terrible for years and years and years. It's it's free agents. It's what they've done to the quarterback position. It's what they've done drafting. It's It's general managers. It's team vice presidents. It's the stadium. It's Sean Taylor's memorial this past year. It's the name change. It's just they have been inept for so long. They've been inept as long as I've been alive. They have not been a successful franchise since I've been on this planet. And I'm about to have my first child with my wife. I'm 23 years old. Like It sucks that I haven't been able to see that. But none of this matters. And I think a lot of people were joning. A lot of people are making fun of the name. I think the name is a good name. I think it's totally fine. I think, you know, when, when you're something from 1932 all the way up to 2020, change is different, and it doesn't feel great. It really doesn't. Uh, it will. 
it will feel good. I think it's going to be a good thing in the long run. You know, like I said, the Packers, if the Packers name, if, if, if Wisconsin got a football team in Green Bay and in 2022 we came out with a big rot for the Packers, for cheese Packers, like literal cheese Packers, do you know how much fun people will be making of it? And no one does it. Like, no one does it. Commanders is totally fine. It's, it's, it's a safe play. I think they could have been more creative. I think if you entailed Red Wolves and you kept the old Vince Lombardi R that they used for the Redskins in the 60s, I think that would have been amazing. I think that would have been a way better look. I think the jerseys are, are cool. I don't necessarily know how I feel about the white away jerseys. I like the red jerseys. I'm, I'm The black ones are growing on me, although I'm not. Again, I, I, I just don't like veering too much from the burgundy and gold colors. Uh, but the helmets are so gorgeous. Like the matte helmets are fantastic. So super, super excited about that. I just, I'm, I'm going to love those helmets. And I think the last takeaway I had from this was how frustrated I was that the W logo is still just a W logo. Like after two years of you doing this whole, we're going to rebrand, we're coming up with a new thing. Like the best you could come up with is a W. It's just stupid. Like to me, it's like I, I could have created that on Microsoft Word in 15 minutes. Like, and it just, it's, it's frustrating because I'm like, <laughs> come on. And they had a patch, but that's not their logo. Uh, come up with a logo, for the love of God. But look, commanders, commander-in-chief, uh, military commanders are obviously an ode to the military, Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. I think it's it's a, it's a good way to, to rein in a new chapter. And at the end of the day, man, it, none of it matters. You know, none of it matters. But if Russell Wilson comes to Washington, and he's a commander, and Washington are, are going into the divisional round of the playoffs in two years or next year, or whenever they do, if they do. No one's going to care. Like No one's going to care. It's about winning. That's what sports is all about. It's always been about winning. And I think everything else is just kind of noise. It just is. We live in this kind of hyperinflated social media society that it's just everything is a big deal. Everything is a joke. Everything is, a, is an insult. We're also just constantly trying to tear every single thing down. And I just don't want to be that way. I don't want to be that way. I don't like tearing things down. I don't like constantly tearing people down. But at the end of the day, man, Johnny, there's a formula in football that works. That's winning. Winning, mm-hmm. if you were to put it into a math formula, it's just winning equals everything. That's it. Just, I, you know, I wasn't alive when the Wizards changed their name from the Bullets to the Wizards. The Wizards is close to the worst name in professional sports. It really is. Like, <laughs> I, I, I think it's as stupid as it gets. But Guardians... Uh, you know what? I don't even care as much about the Guardians because I, I just... Really? Oh, I hate that. I don't, I, I don't even necessarily care about that as much. But when John Wall was, was going off, you know, in 2016, 2015, and he's dunking over people and, and Gilbert Arenas, Agent Zero is draining threes and the Wizards are great with Karam Butler and Antoine Jameson when I'm growing up and Michael Jordan's a wizard. No one cares. No one cares. Be good. Just be good. But, you know, like I said, I think the people that were making fun of Commanders and... Oh, this name sucks. Like, there's a basketball team in Miami called the Heat. Like, the Heat. What? <laughs> there's a basketball in Orlando called Magic. Like, what? Well, Disney. Sure. What are we doing? Magic? <laughs> like, I get it. I get Disney, and I understand that. Like, again, the Ravens, that's a crow. It's a crow. Like, what are what are we... Like... If we're going to do that with each of the teams, then do that with each of the teams. But 
We're not doing that with each of the teams because who cares? The Ravens got Lamar Jackson. They're they're freaking awesome. The Heat, you, LeBron James' Heat in 2013 could have been a more fun basketball team to watch. No one cares. No one cares. The point is winning equals everything. That's everything in football. So I'm just hoping yeah. that that translates, my friend. I'm really, really hoping it translates. And you know me, Shawnee. I said no matter what their name is going to be, I'm – I'm not one of these guys. Oh, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I can't do this anymore. Like, nope. Not going to do that. I'm going to stick around. I've been in this boat for long enough. I'm not jumping overboard. I'm not jumping overboard yet. (laughs) Although a lot of nicer boats. I'd say the Washington Commander's boat right now, it's a rickety boat. Got some holes in it. Don't have great food. We're just kind of sitting there. And it's always tough when you see these cruise ships go by. The Rams. Even the Cowboys, who are terribly run, but they're a beautiful, shiny boat. A nice little Royal Caribbean cruise ship going past our sinking raft. But, my friend, I will not jump off the boat. I won't do it. I'll always love this team. So, Commanders it is. If Commanders it is, Commanders it is. And I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Just just get to winning. Let's get Russell Wilson here. Come on, boys. Get Russell Wilson in here. And we can stop the nonsense. All right. Hail to the Commanders. Hail to the Commanders, my friend. the song, maybe? Hail to the Commanders. Oh, God. All right. Um, I know, I know, Connor, that there was some just head coaching news and GM hires. If you just want to go over those real quickly, and then we will get into the AFC NFC championship games. Yeah, a couple things, and again, I'm probably going to miss a couple because I, I was just taking some notes today while I was running around doing some errands and, and working. So, uh, Josh McDaniels hired as a head coach for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Dave Ziegler as their general manager. Uh, the Vikings have chosen Kevin O'Connell, former Washington. Uh, offensive coordinator and uh, Rams offensive coordinator who went to uh, Los Angeles. They, he's being hired as their head coach. Brian Dabble, head coach for the Giants. Joe Schoen is their general manager. Um, and let's see, is that it, Shawnee? I think that's it. As that of the, the we'll get into more of that. We're, we're going to d- dive into everything in the offseason, exactly. But there's just kind of so much going on. But we'll get through all the coaching hires. But uh, one thing to kind of be of note is it's funny how Josh McDaniels every single Every single offseason is that hot hire. Everyone wants Josh McDaniels. It's like he already had a run in Denver. It didn't go too too terribly well. He kind of accepted a job and then did accept it and then didn't do it in uh, in Indianapolis with the Colts and kind of just ran back to, uh, you know, and grabbed Bill Belichick's leg and kind of like a little kid just kind of hid behind Bill Belichick to, to come back as, as an offensive coordinator. But, Hey, maybe third time's a charm, my friend. Maybe third time's a charm in Vegas. So we'll get into all the coaching hires in the offseason. But for now, I do want to get into Championship Sunday, the weekend that was, and the Super Bowl matchup that is officially set in stone, Johnny. It is. Uh, let's go ahead and start with that uh, AFC Championship game. That was the first game, uh, and that was an overtime game, again, in Kansas City between the Bengals and the Chiefs. And the Bengals, I I don't know, I would say maybe stunned the football world a little bit, mm. uh, upset the Chiefs. And they are on to, I, geez, I don't even know how many years, Connor. Haven't done that much research. It's been a while. Yep, And the Bengals are in the, play, are in the Super Bowl. 1988, they are in the Super Bowl. And Joe Burrow has the chance to not only be a national champion in college, but also a Super Bowl champion. Give me your thoughts on that game from both perspectives, the winners and the losers. Yeah, man, let me tell you, the Bengals are just riding this magic carpet, and, and and they're going all the way to Los Angeles, and they deserve so much credit. I mean, so much credit, because, again, having a good quarterback in the league 
seems to just be the the formula that is that ticket to winning, right? We say winning is everything. If you were to break winning is everything into, you know, little what, what do they call that, Sean? I want you to help me out here. Do you know how they have the winning is everything? And then you go to the list underneath it. You go one and then one A, one B, one C. Do you know what I'm talking about? What's the name of that? A list? I guess so. <laughs> I'm I'm having I'm having a stroke, I think, on air again. Regardless. I don't know. I think there's a technical There name is a for technical it, name. Yeah, for I know it. what you mean. Regardless, you go under winning and it's just having an elite young quarterback. That's what Joe Burrow is. And by the way, what he did last Sunday in Arrowhead was so impressive on so many levels because it wasn't just utilizing Jamar Chase. Like, CJ Uzoma left the game with an injury. That's a humongous target as a tight end. It didn't matter. Like, it didn't matter. Like, T. Higgins took over. Joe Mixon took over. And, of course, Samaj P. Ryan, former, former Redskin who was so bad, took over. Like, it's just unbelievable. I mean, they're riding this magic carpet like the Giants did in 2011. They're doing so in the way that kind of the, the, the Baltimore Ravens did in a way in 2012. But they just deserve so much credit. How sharp do they look? And, and being down 21-3 at one point, you just felt like, oh, my gosh. The Chiefs are about to stomp the Bengals, completely embarrass them. And and I can't believe I'm about to watch a boring AFC championship game. But I, I, I can't believe I watched the Chiefs completely melt the way they did. I mean, the Chiefs' four, first four possession, possessions, Sean, what is going on with my words? Like Speaking words has to happen properly. The Chiefs' <laughs> first four possessions. Went 84 yards, 75 yards, 72 yards, and 80 yards. Like, they were just rolling. It, it was everything you know the Chiefs to be. It was Patrick Mahomes moving around. It was outside the pocket. It was using his legs. It was Tyree Kill. It was Clyde Edwards-Alaire. It was Travis Kelsey. Was, I mean, you just Byron Pringle, for the love of God. I mean, everyone was eating, and it was all on full display. But after halftime, they just couldn't. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I, I beg to say Patrick Mahomes was bad. Like he was bad. Even on the final drive of regulation, he, he almost single-handedly lost them the game. Just needlessly running sideways and backwards on scrambles to get out of the pocket and taking sacks and fumbling the ball at, at a time where, oh, my God, you're trying to tie this game. You know, he, he gives up a fumble that, that almost lost the game in regulation. So the fact that they were able to make it happen in regulation was super impressive. But, I mean, after winning the coin toss, you felt like, oh, gosh, here we go again. Chiefs, Bills, Chiefs are going to escape all their transgressions in the second half and walk away with a victory. That didn't even happen. Like, like Patrick Mahomes threw, like, an arm punt. It really was an arm punt. Tyreek Hill was downfield, and there was, like, three people there, and he was picked. And that was it. That was that was the last play of, of the season for Pat Mahomes. It was a pick. Um, but I think when you look back on the film, the Chiefs are going to be kicking themselves. They really, really are going to be kicking themselves for a long time for, for how many missed opportunities they had. And I think the game really changed. And it was amazing to watch was was that that last what was it, the last play of the first half? It was on the fourth drive of the game. They were up twenty one yep. to ten. Kansas City drove the ball down the field. It was like an eighty yard drive. They were at the one yard line. And they did so with, with absolute no I mean, there was there was Zero pushback. And this is where I thought the Bengals were completely collapsing. They had no pushback on defense. They did so with absolute ease. 
They had zero timeouts. They had five seconds on the clock. And there was this weird kind of lateral swing pass to Tyree Kill behind the line of scrimmage. Um, and Tyree Kill was destroyed in the field of play. And that was it. In, instead of, at a minimum, at a minimum, getting three points there. Making a 24-10 to 10 going in to halftime. And getting the ball back, by the way. Uh, at best, you're talking 28-10, to 10, you get the ball back. It's 35-10 to 10 if you score on that opening drive, and it's over. Game's over. It, it doesn't matter what Cincy do. The game is completely over. You don't come up with any points. And looking back on it, you realize that was it. That was what turned the table. Because this is where you felt like if you're if you're the Bengals going in the locker room, hey, you make a stop here, guess what happens? You make one stop on defense, and, and the Bengals find their way to get them into the end zone. It's 21-17. to 17. This is a brand-new ball game. It's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, no team in NFL history had overcome a halftime deficit of 10-plus points to win in multiple games against the same opponent in a single season. And the Bengals did. They trailed Kansas City by 11 at halftime at Week 17 and won 34-31. to They trailed by 11 at halftime in the AFC Championship game and won in overtime 27-24. to Wild, wild game. And the Bengals, man, I mean, they are going to – I'm not, we're not going to make our Super Bowl picks. We're not going to get into the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't think they'll be favorites. I, I can't imagine they're favorites, but you know that America's going to be cheering for the Bengals. You just know that's how it's going to go. Oh, yeah. And it's nothing against the Rams. Nothing against the Rams. But the Bengals are just such a good story, Shawnee. They are. Yeah, it was uh, It was very similar to that Packers game against the 49ers where the first couple drives are like, oh, here we go. Yep. <laughs> here comes the blowout. Yep. And then it just it completely changed, and I just remember that drive right before overtime or in overtime. I'm sorry, because the Chiefs they won the the coin toss, which was a shocker uh, that they didn't go down and score and win the game and go off to the Super Bowl. I think even Joe Burrow admitted that right. that you don't win when you lose the coin toss against the Chiefs. Um, but they did nothing. They did absolutely no. nothing. He had an incomplete pass, an almost interception, and then an almost and then an actual interception. Mahomes did. Uh, and, and the Bengals just, I mean, geez, I, I, I would be afraid of them if I'm the Rams. Um, but it, it's going to be no interesting doubt. to see what happens in that Super Bowl. Um, let's go on to the NFC Championship game if we're good there. Actually, you know what, timeout. I wrote down a question for you. Oh, please. Okay. I want your, your opinion on this. Now, this is just my own personal question. didn't see this anywhere. Um, the question is, do you... How do I want to word this? Are you starting to see parallels between Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers in terms of winning a Super Bowl early in your career and then kind of struggling a little bit to get back? I know I know Rodgers has had a lot more struggles to get back to the Super Bowl than Mahomes has, but Mahomes now loses a game that he was supposed to win and supposed to go to the Super Bowl and then loses a Super Bowl last year to, I think at the time, the underdog Bucks. Are you, do you see any parallels or do you think there will be any parallels in the future? Do you think Mahomes is going to essentially be an Aaron Rodgers to where he's going to have a tough time making it to Super Bowls? He'll have outstanding regular seasons, but come playoff time and it's it's a different Patrick Mahomes. I don't think so. I think it's probably I, – I, I think the the obviously the jury is, is still out on that, right? It, it's hard to know. I mean, he's right. still so young. I, I can't personally do that. Sean, I can't quite go that far. And, and the reason is because they're two different quarterbacks. I think they're different quarterbacks. And I think the way that Patrick Mahomes loses versus the way that, you know, Aaron Rodgers has lost in the past are different. They're different ways. 
I think Aaron Rodgers has elevated a lot of his talent, but I, I've been on the podcast saying, and I think a lot of people would tell you that Aaron Rodgers has not had quite the talent around him offensively that, I mean, you take away Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is a fantastic, I mean, he's one of the best receivers in football. If you were to switch rosters for a little bit, I'm sure we might be having a different conversation. I, I really would. Again, the jury's out, and it's a really interesting question because, again, I think time will end up telling a little bit more because Patrick Mahomes is still so young. But, no, because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to say no to that because I, I just don't think their teams are, are the same. I don't think the way they lose is the same. I, I don't think, obviously, the way they play aren't the same. Patrick Mahomes uses his legs a lot, and I think Patrick Mahomes' shortcomings is not what Aaron Rodgers' shortcomings are. I think what Patrick Mahomes struggled with on Sunday was was just him being too fancy. Like him running around trying to make plays with his feet. Aaron Rodgers doesn't do that. I think the times that Aaron Rodgers has lost, I think the most recent that is the most disappointing, obviously, you know, losing to San Francisco in this playoffs was terrible. But, you know, he lost that game because I don't think their offense was quite good enough, and I think the weather played a factor. But their special teams completely yacked all over themselves. Like, if their special teams did what they were supposed to do, we're not talking about the 49ers playing the Rams. We're not talking about that at all. So, hard to know. I just, I I think these conversations, they're they're much more complex than how we kind of make them. And I'm not even saying that your question is is kind of a dumb question, because it's not. It's always an interesting discussion. But I wouldn't say so, Sean. I wouldn't say so. Okay. Yeah, it's just, uh, I guess we'll see. Time will tell. Obviously, Roger's a lot older than Mahomes. But let's go ahead and move on to that NFC Championship game. Uh, we have the 49ers. We have the Rams. The Rams are 0-2 against the 49ers this season. Played twice, same division. You know the story. Uh, Rams ended up getting the win. But for a while, it seemed like it was going to be the Niners. It seemed like it was going to be niners Bengals Super Bowl. Uh, it even up until the point of that just, I can't even relive it. That should have been so obviously an interception. Mm-hmm. Such such a mistake. That one hurts so much, and it it hurts so much. And then you know the Rams they they go oh, crap we almost threw an interception like all right let's not throw it deep here and then they just put together a, a, an incredible drive go and win the game. Um, yeah, man, let, let's just talk me through that game and kind of what you saw. And I mean, I think most people were really thinking it was going to be the Niners back in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I mean it's I, those moments hurt as a football fan. More importantly, it hurts on like a personal level, and I'm talking about that mm-hmm. Jaquiski tart, right? That that chance to absolutely bury the Rams in the fourth quarter. Stafford throws this, I mean, awful pass. I mean, Matt Stafford is a great quarterback, and he's played tremendously. He has had one or two of those throws in just about every game that he's played in. That is just like, dude, what in the world are you doing? Right? They're Kirk Cousins esque. You're like, what is happening? And this is a literal like. Up for grabs, I don't care. YOLO, toss it up for six people to go get it. <laughs> that, that's what it was. And it was right in Jaquiski Tart's hands, and it just goes right through. And what's tough on those, and I think we've all kind of, I don't know, any of you listening have ever played football, or really played any kind of sport, uh, if you played baseball, played soccer specifically, this, this is something that can happen. If something is like, if you're expecting a pass to be a lot harder or you're expecting a pitch to be a fastball. I'm standing staring at Max Scherzer expecting a 98 mile an hour fastball and it's like a 46 mile an hour just kind of toss. 
it, it almost like it, <laughs> it, it screws with you. You're like, wait, what, what do I do? Like you start, you, you just, your timing is off because you're expecting it to be something. Yeah. That's what, that's why so many pitchers go to the curveball, or I'm sorry, to the changeup yeah, exactly. right after they do fastballs because it, it just screws it you just up. Screws you're you, like, up. you just went from 98 miles an hour to 87. Yeah. Which to us doesn't seem like a lot, but to a professional athlete, to your point, that's a big difference. It's a huge difference. Now, Tart's drop was a drop. It was just a terrible drop. But for some reason, I could just, I felt like, oh man, this guy was just kind of unprepared. He was kind of falling backwards, jumping up for it, for kind of how much of a duck it was. Like, it was a terrible throw. It was just kind of, it had no mustard on it. It was literally seemed like an arm punt, and he just kind of wasn't even ready for it. Um, he was kind of falling backwards and dropped. He had a couple other attempts to try to catch it. Just, it was weird because he, he was kind of jumping up to, to catch it falling backwards. And he, I don't even think he ended up landing on the ground. He kind of just realized, wait, this is not coming with any force. I need to stop moving. It, it sucked. It sucked to watch because you know that that guy is going to be replaying that in his head. I, I have this infamous moment. One of my close friends will know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm freshman football. I had two fade passes, and being I was 6'4 as a freshman in high school, the fade pass was my go-to as a receiver. Uh, and the coach threw me two fade passes that I I beat a guy off the line of scrimmage as a receiver, and I'm, I was a tight end at the time, and it's just I can see it coming in, and I, I had great hands. I really did. I could catch anything. I dropped both of them. Like blatantly <laughs> awful drops that literally to this day I think about, and it just gives me pain. I, I can't even imagine. Like, that is me talking about freshman football a decade ago. No one cares about was the most unimpactful thing in my life. And I it still hurts to think about. I can't even imagine what Jaquesky Tart is even thinking. Like, I, I can't imagine what those kind of moments feel like. So, on a personal level, with that out of the way, I had to address that. Because that one sucked to watch. I just felt so bad. But, I mean, it it, it killed him. I mean, they, they, they he dropped it. They went 63 yards in nine plays. Uh, they got a game-tying field goal. Uh, and San Francisco's response was was nothing. They didn't do anything. Um, they I think their next drive took up about 23 seconds of the game, left the Rams with enough time to march down mm-hmm. the field, get in range for a go-ahead field goal. Uh, and, and, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's, you know, pretty solid. I, I'd say okay. I, I don't – I think a lot of people are just doing that, well, he wins though, so that's okay. But – Obviously, his playoffs end on an interception where he's he's just completely flustered, and, and Aaron Donald is bearing down on top of him, and uh, just kind of gets flung sideways, uh, trying to get rid of the ball, and and that ends San Francisco's really unexpected run. But look for the Rams. the The biggest thing they cleared the 49ers hurdle, right? It, it was it just Kyle Shanahan had Sean McVay's number. That the Rams couldn't figure out the 49ers at all. It just seemed as if there was just an ownership that the 49ers had on the Rams. It was just kind of a beatdown, and finally the Rams just, just kind of gave him a shove back and said, hey, by the way, we exist. Um, so that's a really big thing. But defensively, Aaron Donald was was a complete and utter game changer for them. You know, Matt Stafford has played super, super well uh, in, in these playoffs. Cooper Cup is – we need to start talking about Cooper Cup as, as the best receiver in football. We really should. Um, we need I, – I don't know what other way to put it. Like We, we talk about Devontae Adams. We talk about – uh, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins, and and you go through the list of great receivers in football, the Justin Jeffersons, the Jamar Chases. Like we think about those guys, Cooper Cup. I I I think he might be the best of all of them. Like statistically, he is, but he might just be the best receiver in football. 
Um, Odell Beckham has been remarkable. His whole season of, of drama and the Browns and the nonsense and the dad posting videos and him getting released. And it seems as if that all worked out in his favor because he's on his way to a Super Bowl and he's doing so in a really productive manner. Um, obviously, for the 49ers, it, it, you, you have to imagine that's the last we see of Jimmy Garoppolo as a 49er uh, as they transition uh, to Trey Lance this offseason in kind of the direction that Kyle Shanahan will be able to morph his team into. But I think this was a really, really big postseason run for Kyle Shanahan. I think it's a big postseason run uh, for uh, you know for, for that team who I think they, they obviously – you want to see more from Trey Lance this season. You know, you'd want to see him show signs of, hey, this is our guy. But I think if the 49ers miss the playoffs, I think you'd have a lot of questions. I think you'd have a lot of questions about Kyle Shanahan and the way that you know John Lynch and the way that that organization is running. But to be honest with you, I think this, this playoff run said a lot about Kyle Shanahan as a coach. It said a lot about the direction that they are going and the way that they can build a team. Debo Samuel. Dude, Debo Samuel might be one of my favorite players in football. Like, he's quickly becoming one of the most exciting players to watch in football. He's your man. Like, he's your man. I mean, defensively, with with Nick Bosa and, and just the tools that they have all over the roster, I think they're one really good quarterback away from 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 being Super Bowl-bound again. And I think Kyle Shanahan proved mm-hmm. a lot this, this, uh, this postseason. The Rams were better. The Rams, I think, are just a better team. And I, I think the NFC side turned out the way it probably should have. But uh, I think the 49ers shouldn't feel too terrible going into the offseason. It's obviously a bitter taste to leave when you're up, you know, 17-7 to 7 at a point and you feel like, hey, this is our chance to to kind of cap off the magic carpet ride. But I think you got to feel good if you're a 49ers fan, Sean. Yeah, I do too. Um, you know, I, I do agree. I, I do think that there'll be a Super Bowl team um, here, probably, or at least a contender, um, and not to – Long in the future, but speaking of feel good stories, uh, Eric Weddle, have you been following this? He came out of retirement for after two seasons, uh, played with the Rams uh, in the NFC Championship, and led the team in tackles after being out for two years. Have you been following no. that? That's remarkable. Yeah. Eric Weddle, he was a, a longtime Charger, went to the Ravens for I think two or three, I think two years or three years maybe. And then uh, retired two years, and then he came back to the Rams, uh, signed late in the season, and he led them in tackles in the NFC Championship. So uh, you're never too old to lead a team in tackles, I guess, is the moral of the story. You know what, Johnny? Um, so, Connor, what's yeah, up? One of, one, of, uh, one of my favorite motivational speakers, Matthew Kelly, always, always said, you're never too young, you're never too old. You're never too young to accomplish what you want, you're never too old to accomplish what you want. Tom Brady, Eric yeah. Weddle, take about now, 37 years of age, by the way. And he's just 37. Around. And he's playing defense, which is very tough to Remarkable. do when you get to that age. Um, especially against, you know, Debo Samuel and, and teams and Kittle and all them. But uh, so that leaves us with the Bengals and the Rams in the Super Bowl. I'm going to, I'm always obsessed with this, Connor, with the jerseys and the uniforms <laughs> and what they're wearing. We have, we've been announced what they're wearing. Okay. The Bengals will wear black and white. The Rams will wear white and yellow. Uh, the NFL every other year switches who's the designated home team, whether it's the AFC or NFC. Last year was NFC. Tampa Bay elected to wear their away jerseys, which is why there may have been some confusion why people thought it wasn't the Rams. Anyways, the Rams are the away team despite being technically at home. Um, so the 
Bengals got to choose what they wore. The other interesting thing, and I just want your opinion on this, the NFL has a rule that says if you're the home team in the Super Bowl, you get the home locker room, which is technically the Rams' locker room. However, they amended that rule this year because they don't want you know to make the Rams you know have to go to another locker room, which this might just be the Bill Belichick and me. But if I were the Cincinnati Bengals, I'd be making a big stink out of this. Anything, just anything to throw them off their game, I think you have to consider. What do you think? Would you make a big deal out of it? I would. I would make a huge deal. I'd be like, no, the rule's the rule. We get the Rams locker room. And then, you know, Wednesday of next week, there's going to be a bunch of idiots in there shoveling all, like, the Rams stuff over to the Chargers locker room. <laughs> I mean, I, I just – I think anything you can do to throw a team off their uh, off their balance right before the Super Bowl, you got to do. What do you think about that? You know, I'm not one to declare full mental warfare. Um, I, de- I definitely <laughs> think – it sounds like you're one of them, Sean. It definitely sounds like you're I one am. of them. Think about it. Wouldn't that throw you off at least a little? At least, like, just we're at home, but we're not in our locker room. Like, that's weird. Like, it would just feel weird for them, I think. It might be, but here's the one thing I will say is, like, <laughs> there's enough during Super Bowl week between press row and the media you do and the practicing in, in weird facilities. And I know the Rams are home. There's enough to make it feel a little bit weird, right? There's enough going yeah, on true. to make the Super Bowl feel. And these guys know what the Super Bowl means to them. Like, every one of these guys on this roster played Pop Warner football. Like they they know what it's mm-hmm. like to play on the driveway and say hey this this is for the Super Bowl like this this is twenty five thirty you know depending on what your age is years in the making of this moment so I do think that there is just a headspace there that I don't think the locker rooms are going to trip them up but I do think <laughs> that all out mental warfare hey why not man I'm all for I, good uh, good controversy why not why not. Um, but obviously that's, that's just a minor story. Uh, the big story is that this is just the Super Bowl that not a lot of people expected, yeah. especially on the Bengals end. Really um, I think is. a lot of people saw the Rams as potentially the NFC favorite, considering that they put all their cards on the table for this season. Uh, they, they, I mean, I, geez, I don't even know when's their next first round draft pick years from yeah. now. I mean, they went all in to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, I'm looking forward to it, man. I really am. And obviously we have, uh, this podcast, the next podcast to chat about right. it, but, uh, and, and we'll get into our predictions next week because one, we want to kind of tease you guys and make you guys come and listen to next week's podcast, but two, because I really don't know. And yeah. I don't know if you're on the same boat. Um, it, it's going to be a really fun game. What do you think? Yeah, I don't either. And, and it's weird, Sean, because part of me feels it's odd. Cause I feel like the last few years there have been matchups that I feel passionately about this one. I don't. I don't, and it's kind of this one. It sounds kind of weird um, because I'm I'm so excited for the Bengals. This is probably the least kind of oh my gosh I'm so excited Super Bowl I've felt in a long long time to be honest with you. Um, but I think part of it is because I have no idea how this is gonna go. Like I I have no concept mm-hmm. of how this is gonna go. Like would I have preferred a Rams Chiefs matchup or or a, you know a, some sort of combo of of maybe the, the the Packers and the Chiefs or something like that. That would have been amazing. Like or, or the Bills. Like if I saw the Bills and the Bucks or so I feel like those would have been better matchups. Uh but this is there there is no shortage of storylines. And that's what we're gonna get into next week is, is breaking down the Super Bowl, the storylines, making our picks, giving you guys everything you need to know. Uh so Stay tuned for next week's episode. Got got plenty to get to on the final week of football of the year, which makes me so sad. Shawnee, I do have one final trivia question 
that I want to ask oh, no. you. My turn. It's your turn for trivia. <laughs> All right. You ready for this? This is a Super Bowl trivia? Yeah. Matt Stafford, this is not Super Bowl trivia. This is Rams trivia, but I think you might know the answer okay. to this. So, Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup connected for their 20th touchdown pass of the season, joining what quarterback receiver duo? There's only one other one. Quarterback quarterback receiver? Yep. So, no quarterback tight end. Nope. Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, okay. 20 touchdowns, connections in the season. There's only one quarterback. It's got to be Tom Brady, Randy Moss. Ding, 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 my friend. Is that 2007. it? Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, that's it. Tom Brady and Randy Moss. Moss and Brady. Yeah, don't, don't ever mention the 2007 season. Again. Rest in peace, dude. <laughs> I, I just I, I I don't know, know what else. Oh, that, that brings me to another point. Mm-hmm. That brings me to another point. Did you see on the Commander's new logo, they they got their Super Bowl years wrong? Yeah, it's just so bad, dude. It's like that, that one I don't have that much of a stink over because a lot of people were being super, super like – I can understand where they say the year that they won the Super Bowl, not the Super Bowl year that they won. Like, it, that, that sounds yeah. weird. If you're not a football person, that what I just said makes zero sense to you. There's a difference between yeah. a the year, the physical year you won the Super Bowl, and then, <laughs> like, for example, when the – if the Bengals or the Rams win the Super Bowl, it's going to be considered Rams, Super Bowl, you know, LIV 2021. But it's not going to be yeah. – they didn't – Even though it's played. In 2022. It's 2021 season. In, exactly. So – Which is what the commanders made the mistake right. of is they put the year that they won the Super right. Bowl. So it would be like the Bucks saying 2021 Super Bowl champions. Yep. Technically, it's correct, but nobody says it that way exactly. in the NFL. Now, I know that Kevin Sheehan from the Team 980 was talking to – and he really gave Jason Wright a hard time about it earlier. He was pressing him big time. And I think Jason Wright mentioned something about, yeah, we, we'll, we'll look into changing that. So I think that that's something they said that they would look yeah. into changing because a lot of people were were all, all up in arms about that. But that was probably 30 on the list of things that were just like ugh, kind of frustrating about <laughs> the rollout. But regardless, we're not the football team anymore. I'm just so glad we're not yeah. the football team anymore. Um, I'm just – praise God. I, I can sleep in peace finally <laughs> for the love of God. But, Johnny, is that everything? I think that's everything, man. Next week is our Super Bowl preview. Mm-hmm. This is Super Bowl preview one of two. One of two, my friend. <laughs> that's next a, week we'll have our two of two. I love it. It's yeah. going to be so great. But, uh, Sean, uh, uh, obviously – Busy, crazy week in football. We're going to get into everything next week. The latest news and notes. Maybe some more retirements. Maybe some more hires. We'll give you an update on the Brian Flores situation. The fallout from all sorts of all sorts of angles from everywhere around the league. So much to get into uh, this week. But we are a week away from Super Bowl Sunday. Sean, Pro Bowl. Who wins? AFC, NFC? No Tom Brady? I don't think. No Tom Brady. Tom I can't Brady imagine. this Pro Bowl? He's not going to – okay. I will go AFC. I'm going to AFC. All right, I'll go NFC. There All right. Go. Loser pays for uh, – if you lose this, you buy me uh, an, an, an angry orchard from Buffalo Wild Wings. Sound good? Sounds Done good. Done deal. Yeah, sounds good. Sweet. All righty, Shawnee. Well, that is Sean Olette, my executive producer. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Join us next week. We'll have everything you need to know. But for now, you all have a fantastic Pro Bowl weekend. Enjoy the Pro Bowl. I don't even know how much fun it is anymore. Screw it. Enjoy it. It's football for the love of God. Super Bowl Sunday comes next week, and we will be back. After further review, we'll return then. And as always, I will catch you guys on the other side.